Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 15th, 2016. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And we've got a, a, a kind of, a, hopefully, a, a quick show, so a special treat show as well on today's episode. We'll, of course, break down uh, the Orlando Magic's loss to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, an 88-69 loss that was as ugly as that score sounds. I'll, I'll break that down. I'll also talk a little bit about some of the team's offensive struggles and why this team is struggling so much on the offensive end, some observations that I've had from a pair of games. And then finally, we'll wrap this up uh, with a clip from the latest episode of Dunked on Basketball Podcast, that fanta- uh, the fantastic podcast run by Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue. Uh, they went through each Eastern Conference team on their latest episodes. I'll have the clip talking about the Orlando Magic and a, a brief response to that as well. Uh, of course, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter. You can follow us now at Locked on Magic. Uh, you can also like the, like the podcast on Facebook at Locked on Magic as well. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, all those fun places that you can find podcasts to listen to, get them automatically downloaded onto your podcast listening device, as well as be sure to leave us a review on those sites, specifically iTunes. It does help us climb the rankings to get good reviews and get good comments and and tells everyone how great the podcast is. We do appreciate every comment that we get. Uh, And uh, of course, uh, another another big social media milestone, Uh, Orlando Magic Daily's uh, Twitter feed at Omagic Daily just eclipsed 10,000 followers. So thank you all. Thank you to all my followers uh, for for contributing to the conversation and for following and supporting the website, we do. I really appreciate that. I know. I hope. I hope. Uh, I give. I, I add to the conversation. Add to uh, your magic listening and your magic fandom in some way. I do appreciate all my followers. That's why I take the time to respond to just about every mention that I get uh, and get drawn into some sometimes some silly arguments, but. Um, I do. I do appreciate my followers. I do appreciate their perspective. I do appreciate. I do want to hear your questions. What you want to. What you want to know about the team. Your comments about the team. And and you know I I take those and I think about those and I answer those questions as best I can. Give you my perspective. My uh, my uh, uh, expertise um, in that in that matter. So uh, ten thousand followers. You know I wouldn't be able to do Locked On Magic without you guys. I wouldn't be able to do Orlando Magic Daily without you guys. So I, I appreciate each and every one of my ten thousand followers, except for the robots. They're robots. They don't feel emotion. Anyway, all right. From that positive note, we do have to talk a little bit about Monday's game. The Orlando Magic headed to Bankers Life Fieldhouse with uh, Frank Vogel as their head coach for the first time and laid an egg sounds harsh because they did do some very good things in this game, but it certainly was not the kind of effort the Magic were expecting and certainly the Magic wanted following a, a what seemed like a landmark victory Sunday night in Oklahoma City. It was a struggle offensively, and I'll talk a little bit more about some of my observations about the early offense now that we're 11 games into the season. 
uh, and, and some thoughts about where the, this team goes next. But it was it was a struggle in this game. Orlando shoots, obviously, they score only 69 points. They shoot 27 for 84. That's 32.1% and 5 for 25 from beyond the arc. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, the Magic's offensive, you know, savant, 1 for 10. Evan Fournier, 4 for 15. Serge Ibaka, 3 for 13. Uh, Bismarck Biombo made all four shots. That's nice. Uh, Mario Azonia played five minutes, got five shots up, and missed all five. I mean, that's the kind of game we're talking about here from the Orlando Magic. The the lids were on the rims on both ends of the floor, and the Magic could not crack them no matter what they did. There were some good shots that they missed, certainly, uh, but generally I think there was a general problem with the offense that we've seen rise again and again and again, and sometimes you have shooting nights like this. Uh, I do think the Magic looked a little tired, a little spent from Sunday's game, but at the same time, the Magic did a good job defensively. Honestly, I I don't want to call this their best overall defensive performance, but the Magic probably played good defense longer in this game than they played in just about any game this season, Uh, and, and as we kind of begin to note, they actually continue to play really good fourth quarter defense, so if they can get a close game to the fourth quarter, it sure seems like the Magic can play a good fourth quarter, giving up only 17 points. But then again, they only scored 12. Uh, just breaking it down, the Magic took a 19-16 lead after the first quarter. Uh, they held, actually, the Pacers to 47 second-half points. They only scored 32, but you hold a team to 88 points, it's typically going to give you a chance to win. And Indiana had their own issues. They shot 35 for 90, that's 38.9%, 8 for 25 from the floor. Paul George was 5 for 16 playing on the on the bad ankle that he sprained. Uh, Magic actually had him pretty much under wraps and had a lot of the, the Pacers under wraps. The reason they lost this game was, was were hustle reasons. Pacers had 7 offensive rebounds. Uh, Kevin Serafin had 5. And that helped the Pacers get a 30-point third quarter. And, that was the, and when you're only scoring 30, 69 points in a game, if a team scores 30 points in a quarter, that is pretty much, you know, putting the final nail in the coffin for this team. So the Magic found themselves on the back foot uh, with with that occurring. They did about everything else the same. 38 points in the paint for each team. Indiana had 13 second chance points off off those five offensive rebounds. 10 fast break points. Um, I did think that the Pacers did a much better job with turnovers, Orlando committed 16 turnovers, a product of their poor offensive spacing and poor offensive execution, which turned into 20 Indiana points. Again, when you're scoring only 69 points, those little things matter, and the Magic didn't protect the ball well enough, they didn't execute well enough on the offensive end, regardless of whether they were making or missing shots, uh, and that hurt their defense in the end. Again, if there is a bright side to take from this game, and Indiana led it by 21 points, but it was only a four-point game at halftime, if there's a bright spot to take from this game, it is that the Magic played pretty good defense in the half court. They didn't make a ton of mistakes in the half court. The the only mistakes they made were really uh, rebounds going over their head, maybe a lack of a, a second effort uh, to, to finish off those possessions with a defensive rebound, particularly in that third quarter when Serafin uh, began to really dominate the glass. Um, there were definitely a few possessions where they were watching the ball sail over their head, uh, not cl- closing that out. Again, long rebounds. Sometimes you miss that. Sometimes there's air balls, you know, all that all that stuff that happens in a game. Uh, but those effort, those little mini effort plays do go a long way. And the Indiana Pacers took advantage of that to, to essentially win the game. Running through the stats real quick, Evan Fournier, 14 points, 4 for 15 shooting. 
Alfred Payton, I thought, actually did a decent job following up his game on Sunday. 12 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists. Magic only had 12 assists, so um, that was a problem. 5 for 11 shooting. Aaron Gordon, 11 points off the bench. 5 for 11 shooting as well. Not a lot to say offensively from this team. Uh, Bismack Biombo did block 3 shots. 9 points, 4 for 4 shooting. Um, 9 rebounds as well, so he continues to perform. And um, we'll talk. I, we may talk again about the starting lineup, or at least talk about different lineup combinations that we're seeing now that we've had three games with the new lineup with Jeff Green starting. Um, I, I do think that we're getting to a point where uh, Bismack Biombo probably needs to start over Nikola Vucevic, especially if Vucevic continues to struggle on the offensive end. Another poor night for him shooting. He's 1 for 10, 12 rebounds. Uh, had a bad night Sunday night. Entered Sunday's game, and I'm only saying this because I have the stats right here in front of me, shooting only 48.1%. 47.8% from the line. If Nikola Vucevic is not giving you a whole lot on the offensive end, it's tough to justify having him out there for extended periods of time. He only played 25 minutes tonight. Uh, Biombo played 21. Obviously, uh, the Magic went to their deep bench late in the game as well. Um, that's Mario Hazonia playing uh, for, for the first time in three games. Uh, it was, again, not an easy night for the Magic offensively, so hard to judge everyone on that curve. It's disappointing in that way. I'm sure Vogel will, will go look at the tape, find some positives to mine, uh, whether it's the Magic just missing open shots uh, like I do in 2K, uh, or uh, the way the defense played to keep them in the game as long as they did before you know things kind of started to, to let go a little bit on, on some hustle points or on some uh, turnovers and points off turnovers in transition as well. Uh, for... The Pacers, real fast, Paul George, 13 points, Daddy Sung, 11, Monte Ellis, 13, Jeff Teague, 11, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and CJ Miles, 16 points off the bench to lead the Pacers. Again, disappointing only in that the Pacers are a bad defensive team and the Magic couldn't take advantage. Disappointing in the margin, certainly disappointing that they failed to hit 70 points. Uh, but again, defense wasn't particularly bad, um, so if there's a silver lining, it's that the Magic are beginning to play some defense that did keep them in the game longer. They just couldn't snap out of it offensively. And of course, that's been one of the big storylines for the team throughout the season is that offense. Throughout the summer, um, I pretty much told anyone who said, how is this team going to score? I said, don't worry about the offense. It will figure itself out. It won't be pretty, but... This team needs to focus on the defensive end. And so, unfortunately, that means there might sometimes be days like this. The Orlando Magic are still one of the worst offensive teams in the league. In terms of offensive rating, after tonight's game, after tonight's game, they average 96.7 points per 100 possessions. That is the third worst in the league. Only the Miami Heat and Philadelphia 76ers are worse. The Magic have the worst effective field goal percentage in the league, by one and a half percentage points, 45.7% effective field goal percentage. Now, for those who aren't familiar, effective field, uh, offensive rating is points per 100 possessions. I try to explain that, but effective field goal percentage essentially uh, takes into is a calculation of field goal percentage that takes into account the added value of a three point make. So, a three point make is worth uh, 50% as much, 50% more than a two point make, and so it adds that value in by 
taking half the number of three-pointers made and adding that to the total amount of field goals made. Um, you know, I'll, I, I should do, I should devote an episode in the summer to a uh, advanced stats primer to help people out. I, I do try to do that sometimes, especially with, for audiences that don't know don't, don't know what that means. But essentially, effective field goal percentage says you shoot a lot of threes, you make a lot of threes, your field goal percentage should be a little higher to reflect the added value of making a three-pointer. In any case, the Magic are the worst team, worst shooting team in the league. Uh, their true shooting percentage, which takes into account free throw shooting as well, does not look much better. 49.1% true shooting percentage. This is essentially a very bad offensive team. Um, one of the worst offensive teams. And the Magic's net rating, which is uh, defensive rating, points allowed per 100 possessions, minus offensive rating, which is points per 100 possessions, is minus 10.1% points per 100 possessions. Essentially, the Magic will get beat by opponents by nearly 10 points in a 100 possession game, which is a little bit more than what the Magic play in a typical game so far this year. They're at 96 possessions per game. So this is a bad offense, no matter how you want to slice it. We knew that would have it would have struggles. They don't have that, that all-star, obviously. They don't have an ISO guy. They don't have a guy that they can dump the ball to and just say, go. This is a team that has to really work together. And Frank Vogel said this a few times already this season. This is a team that has to, quote, trust the pass. Trust ball movement, trust working together. Um, this is a team like it has been for the last several years that will be successful if multiple guys are scoring 15, 16, 17 points. They don't need a guy to score 25 every night. They need they need one guy to hit 20 and then three, four guys to hit 15. That's 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 their their recipe for success. How they're going about doing that though is not so certain. So what worked Sunday night that didn't work Monday night? Sunday night to me the big thing was and I, and I discussed this and I wrote a little bit about this was was how Alfred Payton was able to get into the lane. Uh, the Magic don't have three point shooting and so their ability to create space for them to make shots is still very very limited. Teams are able to crash the paint knowing that the shooters aren't going to really be much of a threat. And so the way to create space for cutting, the way to create space for for move, for shooting, for motion, for all that stuff, is to drive the lane and, and cause the defense to collapse on, on the attention that the ball handler demands. And that's something the Magic have been very inconsistent with. Sunday night, Alfred Payton did a fantastic job with it. Got into the lane, caused defense to collapse, was able to finish around the basket, dump it down to Ibaka, dump it down to Biombo, or kick it back out to Evan Fournier for a three-point shot. Or, and this is where I think it really matters, is you cause the defense to collapse, you kick it out, and then that creates a driving lane for the kickout as the defense tries to come back out and close down the shooter, and it also puts them off balance, and that creates holes to find shots too. Monday night, the Magic were doing none of that. They couldn't beat their man one-on-one. They couldn't get into the paint to, coll- to collapse the defense. And they couldn't get open shots. It's essentially passing the ball around the perimeter until time ran out, trying to attack, not being able to, and then ho- putting up a quick, rushed, contested jumper. That's not a recipe for success for the Orlando Magic this year. What surprises me about this offense is I expected them to run a motion offense very similar to last year's offense that they ran with Scott Skiles. Say what you want about Scott Skiles. Say what you want about Scott Skiles' offense. And there's plenty to say about that. It was competent. It was middle of the league. I think it was 17th or 18th. So it it wasn't in the bottom 10. 
And some of the players were different. They had a guy in Victor Oladipo who could attack a little bit more off the off the bounce and and create his own shot and create shots for others in, in a different way than Alfred Payton can. They had Tobias Harris who could also do that. Um, Evan Fournier was really good in pick and rolls, and and they still run some pick and rolls with Evan, but certainly the space is a lot more constricted than it used to be. The attention on him is certainly a lot more different. But the Magic offense is an emotion based offense, and I, I'll clarify this again. Scalz's offense last year was was a ball reversal motion offense. They'd move the ball quickly and attack the defense as it was rotating to them. That's how they created space to drive. They'd have cutters coming through the lane. They'd run pick and they'd run pick and rolls to free people up. But it was it was basically a lot of ball reversals and movement, getting guys to catch the ball in motion and attack immediately. That's that was Scott Scalz's pace. That's the pace that he demanded from his team: cut hard, attack quickly. This offense is not quite like that. This offense relies a little bit more on isolation, or at least on on breaking down your individual man. And it relies on pick and rolls to get into the get into the uh, middle of the lane. It can be successful, but you gotta have the personnel. And the magic, as everyone is sure to note, do not have Paul George to bail them out. They don't even have necessarily George Hill to do so either. Peyton's trying, but Peyton still makes this this young player mistake where he doesn't get the team into the offense quickly. The Magic have 24 seconds to shoot the ball. They don't have a second to lose. They need all 24 of those seconds. That's why the Magic want to push the pace and get over the timeline quickly. It's a struggle because of those reasons. The Magic don't get in the don't get into their offense quickly enough sometimes, and and you can tell there's a lot of standing around. There's a lot of trying to figure things out, and not a lot of passing. This is a team that has to pass the ball, even if it's going nowhere, it has to pass the ball, get the defense to move a little bit. But really, the Magic have to remain aggressive. They have to attack, attack off the dribble, attack the 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 weak side rotations. They just have to attack, and that's been a part that they've really struggled with so far this year. And it's among the many reasons their numbers are so low. It's not necessarily that they're getting bad shots. Or they're always getting bad shots. It's that many of their shots are contested and it's difficult for them to get good shots. It's difficult for them to get the defense pulled apart. Some of it certainly is Vogel is maybe not using his players correctly. Serge Ibaka still hasn't taken a, a corner three, and that's supposed to be one of his biggest strengths as a three-point shooter. Most of his threes have come on the wing. Nikola Vucevic is going to regress to his mean eventually and start to, to make shots. And if he doesn't, that's, that's obviously a huge problem. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. But... Figuring out how to get this offense going is, is going to be one of the big things that Frank Vogel has to learn, has to figure out how to do. 
And I think the offense right now is probably a little too basic. It certainly doesn't fit the personnel well. I'd like to see a little bit more off-ball movement. I'd like to see a little bit more screening off the ball, especially to, to free guys up and put them in positions to score. Uh, I'd like to see Peyton be in, be in aggressive mode all the time. I don't care how many times he turns the ball over. Just start trying to move downhill a little bit more, get into the paint, and cause that defense to suck in a little bit more. However you have to do it. Same for Evan Fournier if he can do it. But the Magic have struggled with these things. And you can usually tell very quickly when the Magic are entering their drought. Because they'll start to stand around a lot more. They'll start to become very stagnant. And they're already a pretty stagnant offense. When that happens, that's when you know the Magic are in big trouble. Alright, to close the show today, we're going to do a quick, uh, quick, quick, uh, we're going to play a quick clip from the Dunked On Basketball Podcast. I uh, encourage everyone to download the Dunked On Basketball Podcast with Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue. You can find it on iTunes as well as Blog Talk Radio. They do a fantastic job covering the whole NBA. Great discussion between the two. It's one of my favorite NBA podcasts. And on their Monday show, or Monday or Sunday show, I, don't, I, don't, I think they recorded it Sunday before the Thunder game. Uh, but on their latest episode, they did their thirty team. Their, they did their fifteen and sixty, uh, reviewing all the Eastern Conference teams uh, in the hour long show. So here is their clip on the Orlando Magic this week. Ready to move on to another team that's in a rosy, fun situation? Yeah, I mean, the, the Knicks were one. The Magic, another 3-6 and six team that actually 3-6 and six overstates how good they have been so far. Yeah, I mean, so they're, they're the bottom of the league in basketball references SRS, and really what that indicates is that they've had an easy schedule and they have not done well against it. Yeah, and Frank Vogel now has, is starting to search, as we've seen with a lot of these teams, uh, Hornacek as well. Aaron Gordon actually moved to the bench on Friday with Jeff Green as the starting small forward. And uh, as you noted, he went one for six from the field in that loss to the Jazz. Uh, he was playing the three, uh, and they actually rejiggered things on the bench. Hazonia didn't play at all in that game, and they put in Rudez so that Gordon could still play at the three off the bench. Still has not played well, not getting any minutes at the four really at all this year. Uh, Serge Ibaka has not been that good uh, either and they're not getting out in transition at all you would hope that this team could get some stops they have some athletes Alfred Payton could be a good transition guy Gordon could run the floor but they're playing I think at basically the slowest pace in the league and there's not much of a silver lining here because they don't really do anything well right now from a statistical standpoint at least not anything important yeah I mean they're they're not turning the ball over hooray and they're forcing they're forcing other teams to shoot mid-range jumpers but that's really that's really about it and something that that I noticed is that they also have the least deflections per game and part of that is that they're playing at a slow pace so you know that is a that is not a per possession it is a total stat but you, when you're also at the debt when you're dead last that's a problem too how are they 27th in defensive rebounding with, with oh. the guys they have on this team when you're playing Aaron Gordon at the three because you have too many big men wait well, but why would that make you worse at defense no rebound? that's like what Gordon? I'm saying it's it's completely yeah. insane yeah I mean Biombo is a great defensive rebounder Vucevic a little better on the offensive end but still a guy who gets a lot of rebounds if Bach 
Ibaka's rebounding has fallen off in recent years, but still a guy who, who can jump. He should be above average as a power forward. Peyton is fine as a, a point guard. I really just don't understand how they can be. And that just shows that they're, I think the effort has not been there. And, and play, even, you know, we knew they were going to be bad on offense. Like there's no way they weren't going to be. But it really seems like, I don't know whether it's the issue of Biombo having been signed and making more money than Vucevic now, uh, whether it's a new coach with Vogel and he's kind of being a taskmaster and people aren't buying in. I, I don't know what it is, but this team really, you have to say, is not trying hard enough because even the things that this personnel theoretically should be good at, they're not good at. Yeah, and they do have other kind of alignments and personnel things they can do, but will those fix their problems is something that I, I, I'm not super comfortable with at this moment. No, I, I don't see what the path is. I mean, they just have to start defending. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. Uh, and again, like, I don't know how they're forcing no turner, turnovers with athletic guys that they have a, a, on this team. Not really blocking many shots. Like, it is, uh, and then on offense, of course, it's a train wreck because they have one player with an above average true shooting percentage on the entire team, and that's Fournier. And even he's only at 55%. So he's like one point above the league average. And everyone, I mean, they have a bunch of guys who are like in the 40s, which is just completely miserable. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not seeing a ton of hope for these guys, but they do have the talent and maybe they can start getting it together. But you can tell that Vogel now is starting to go to the well of just like, hey, I got to like start finding something, disciplining people to like, you know, let them know that guys like Gordon and Hazonia, like you got to play harder. Uh, but I can tell you that Damian Rudez is not the answer either. So it's uh, it's looking pretty bleak for these guys. Maybe they'll, they'll turn it around. They don't have the absolute hardest schedule, but for a team that we thought could win, I, I mean, both Orlando or, or, or all of Orlando, New Orleans and Miami, I picked the over for all three of those teams because I felt like they would just have young guys and they could defend and be really good and just play hard every night. And Miami is playing hard every night. Even New Orleans has a decent defense, even though they're one and nine now. Uh, but Orlando has just not been able to fulfill that part of the equation at all. And it looks like I'm going to be wrong probably on all three of those teams unless they can turn it around. Yeah, it's definitely a concern. And you get into the, the point here now, 10 games in is a little bit early, but the possibility of getting a tailspin as well. I mean, I think about that more a little bit with New Orleans just because of the, you know, the idea of the, how they struggled last year. But, you know, that that is kind of where a team can can kind of lose themselves as well. I, I'm not exactly sure what that would look like with the Magic beyond what they're already not doing. Well, I mean, what it's going to look like is that I think their management uh, team is that it's going to be it for them, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, they've already thrown some, and especially because, you know, Sabonis actually is looking pretty good in Oklahoma City. Like, that doesn't look good. Like, Oladipo would probably be the best player on this team so far, even though he hasn't been, like, killing it in Oklahoma City. He's been better than anyone that they've had. Uh, yeah, not not so good. Hazonia is looking like a total failed draft pick. So uh, with all that said, I mean, if they aren't even competitive this year, I mean, it's hard to imagine that uh, their front office is going to survive that, unfortunately. And they also have this challenge. I've been fiddling with Nick Vucevic things. Not that he's a primary component of what's been wrong for them, but just kind of like, well, what do you no, do with No, they've actually had the, been best defensively when he's been on the floor. I mean, that's what the ridiculous thing has been. Like, guys like Ibaka, Biombo, like, they're defending even worse when those guys are out there. Yeah, so, I mean, but if, let's say you wanted to move him. Like, I think there's a limited market for that, but also just the idea of the uncertainty with Ibaka looming over this whole thing, because, you know, if you start moving more guys in their front court, you could actually get into a narrow spot, especially if Biombo isn't good enough to start. A lot to unpack there, of course, uh, and we thank Dunked On, po- Dunked On Basketball Podcast for sending us the clip and, and providing their perspective uh, on on the team so far. Obviously, some very 
terrible, terrible statistics. I, I gave you the statistics about uh, the Magic's offensive rating and offense, it being probably the worst offense in the league. Uh, by offensive rating, it's the third worst in the league. And then, of course, the defensive rating has, has been ticking up slowly, and, and while they did play a decent game defensively, Monday overall, it hasn't been very good over the course of the season, and it's led them to the second worst net rating in the league. Uh, a little bit of an explainer of some of the things they talked about with the SRS. That is a schedule-adjusted um, uh, rating system, and it has the Magic as the worst team, and that's pretty much saying that the Magic have had a schedule where they should be winning games, and they have not performed to expectations or, or to any one standard, and, and they're struggling a lot. The good news is the schedule still remains pretty light. They get Milwaukee a few times. They get Milwaukee on Sunday. Uh, I believe it's Sunday, Sunday or Monday. Uh, they play New Orleans on Wednesday, Dallas on Saturday, so plenty of opportunities still to right the ship. You know, they, they get the big win against Oklahoma City. They look really good. Got people believing again while Monday hurt. Uh, there's still plenty to build on. Uh, and, and like I said, I, you can take a, certainly a very frustrated approach to Monday's game as well, and you should. Uh, but there was a little bit of a silver lining in my book as well um, to, that, to that too. Uh, the other thing is with Frank Vogel tinkering with the lineups, and I think on tomorrow's show, I'll talk a little bit more about the lineups and what my thought is. Uh, we obviously had the big show with Chris Barnwall uh, Friday night that... that went up over the weekend talking about the new lineup. Now that we've had some data, uh, some chance to, to reflect on it, uh, we can maybe analyze it a little bit more clearer uh, as well. Uh, but the the Magic are in a tough spot right now. They're not playing well at all. Uh, Doob and Gloom is somewhat warranted. Uh, it's still early, but or still early, and the Magic aren't out of the playoff race. I mean, let's let's put everything in perspective. There's one goal for this team, and that's making the playoffs. As long as they're in that that race, it doesn't matter what statistics say. Um, there's still a lot of noise, especially with the big outliers in the Chicago game and the Detroit game, kind of weighing the stats down. Uh, so you can't put complete faith into those statistics yet. Um, I'm I might have to take a look at what the statistics look like without the Detroit and Chicago games. Just call those complete outliers and throw them out and kind of see where the Magic really are at and and where they're headed, especially, uh, and the Minnesota game as well. So you got three big outliers kind of weighing everything down still uh, statistically. So the Magic might very well be better than their statistics are showing, uh, but at the same time, the statistics are showing they're a lot worse than their record is. So... One of those two things is correct. We don't know which one. As for the lineup changes, it feels like another lineup change might be needed uh, just to kind of energize and stabilize things some more. Jeff Green has not done what I think the Magic hoped he would be hoped he would do to that starting lineup other than just to stay out of the way. I mean, I think Jeff Green is just kind of a wash defensively. He's, he's a mess. Uh, but if unleashed Sharon Gordon a little bit off the bench, I, I think that's still okay. Most people would say, no, his future's at the four. You need to give up on this experiment at the three. I'm not 100% sold on that, but um, it, it is what it is. The Magic need to at least throw some lineups out there with Gordon, uh, at least nominally, at the four. Um, with him at the three, you need a guy like Rudej out there. And, and like Nate said uh, on the clip, Damian Rudej is not the answer for the Orlando Magic. Not now, not for the long term either. Uh, they got to figure out Mario Hazonia, and and yes, you know the optics of the Victor Oladipo trade continue to look worse for Rob Hennigan, uh, and you know there's already there's plenty of pressure on him already to make the playoffs this year. The Magic pushed their chips in to do so, and sitting at the bottom of the standings or sitting where they're at now at four in seven probably isn't going to do the trick. 
Um, there's already been a few calls for Rob Hennigan's job. I've seen plenty from fans. We got our first media call for Rob Hennigan's job, uh, overreacting to the six to the uh, 88-69 loss of the Pacers from uh, Dave Pingalore of uh, WKMG in Orlando, Channel Six. Uh, I'm not, you know, I've said if the Magic don't make the playoffs, he's probably gone. He'll get some time. It's not the time to panic yet. They are four and seven. They're still not far out of the playoff race. I think they're a game or two out of the playoffs. String some wins together, build some confidence, and no one's going to care about this game. A 69-point game looks really bad, but as every NBA player will tell you, you're never as good as you you're never as good as you think you are when you win, and you're never as bad as you think you are when you lose. But what we do know is this team does have some very big problems that it has to solve and resolve fairly quickly if it wants to achieve those goals at the end of the season. I want to thank everyone again for listening to Locked on Magic today. I do appreciate all the listens. Of course, Orlando Magic Daily has eclipsed 10,000 followers on Twitter, so thank you all for that. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Daily. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic and on Facebook. Please like us at Locked on Magic as well. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Audible, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, all those fun places, and leave us a review. Uh, tell your friends as well. We do appreciate all the love we've been getting on the podcast since we started. And be sure to check out the Dunked on Basketball podcast. Nate Duncan and Daniel LaRue do a fantastic job covering the NBA. I'll be interested to hear what they have to say about the Magic's loss to the Pacers uh, this uh, when I get when I download when I listen to the podcast later on today. Um, I'm sure they'll have some interesting thoughts, especially in light of what they said on their last episode that we aired just now. Uh, that'll do it for today's podcast. We'll see you tomorrow with a preview of Wednesday's game as Anthony Davis and the New Orleans Pelicans come back to the Amway Center uh, for their only regular season visit. Until then, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich of Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. We will see you all tomorrow. You are Locked on Magic. Your daily Orlando Magic Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.